0: Thank you for joining Immigrants Making an Impact, the podcast. This podcast is dedicated to all immigrants across the globe. We are a community of immigrants that support each other and help each other to grow so that we can make a significant impact in our communities. Today, we are excited to have Crystal Howard with us to share her journey as a first-generation immigrant. Crystal, please introduce yourself to us.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Crystal Howard. Um, I am originally from New York and my parents are, I'm hundred percent Dominican. My parents are from Dominican Republic.
0: Wonderful. So Crystal, I think our community would want to know a bit about your work, who you serve, what you do, what's keeping you busy? Yeah, so what's keeping me busy is my passion for diversity, equity, inclusion.
1: I think it all relates back to my life experience as well as being an Afro-Latina um and what that corporate experience was for me graduating college uh, that's i am currently uh, a dni program manager at amazon i support a global org of uh, uh, people from over 20 countries a uh, very large sector of the business just one piece of the pie of all of operations since operations is a very massive group at amazon
0: so take us through the journey as a first generation immigrant how was the experience like
1: so as a child, uh, I would say that I think it would be a little confusing um, because my parents did speak uh, fluent Spanish. Um, however, when I was a child, my parents, you know, they they went back and forth between Spanish and English a lot. And so growing up, at first, they tried to teach me um, Spanish uh, and I had to see a speech therapist because I just wasn't speaking at all. It was really confusing hearing them go from like one sentence in English, next sentence in Spanish. So over time um, they just stopped teaching me Spanish because it was overwhelming for me so that I could just speak English. So I did not grow up learning the language from my family. Um, However, English was the second language for my parents. Um, So You know, my mom actually is the one who taught my dad how to speak English when he came to this country, when she met him. So that was kind of my experience as a child. And as I got older, you know, I I had gotten a lot of comments about my background because because people didn't know that I was Dominican a lot of the time. So they would always be confused by the texture of my hair. So it was just very confusing as a child. I would say identity-wise, because I wasn't didn't feel Spanish enough because I never spoke Spanish fluently. Um, but at the same time, you know, the African American community would always be like, Well, aren't you black? So it was very confusing personally growing up as a child, trying to figure out where you belong.
0: Okay. So try to figure out along the journey, how were you able to navigate that? Did you have mentors? Do you have people that you could talk to? How were you um, able to know?
1: So I think that as I got older is when I really started to identify with my cultural background. When I graduated from college and started to enter the workplace is when I realized, when I really started to pay attention to my identity and how it had an impact in the workplace. Um, I dealt with a lot of discrimination at first in the workplace that I had never dealt with growing up because I grew up in a very diverse community where all different people were accepted no matter what your cultural background was. And so because of that, because of dealing with racism in the workplace, I think it forced me to have to really like, really focus on my identity, which is something I never even thought about or I just never really paid attention to um, until I entered the workplace and people just looked at me as a Black female. Mm -hmm. No one ever thought I was at all any form of Hispanic background. And I constantly had to... You know validate that to employees and peers that I am 100% Dominican but because I didn't speak 100% Spanish and my Spanish wasn't you know fluent uh, per se I you know I got a lot of misperceptions and so I think navigating through that discrimination actually is what drove me to end up falling into this line of work of doing DEI work I do it because, you know, my life experience of dealing with discrimination in the workplace is something I don't want anyone to ever feel. And um, now I've kind of grown to realize that, you know, I don't owe anyone an explanation about my cultural background and have to constantly explain uh, who I am and what my background is. But it was a good reminder, um, you know, to really be proud of what your cultural background is. And so that was something that my dad had you know tried to push onto me even when I was a, a little girl,
0: okay. So listening, I can understand that representation really matters for immigrants and first generation immigrants. And thank you for the work that you do and teaching us that it is possible and we really need to connect with our identity. Growing up as a child of immigrants. did you feel the pressure to perform and be the best in everything you do?
1: Uh, yes, I think. I think that's just, that's just what I saw in my household. My parents, you know, started with nothing. And so we started off living in a small apartment and I saw my parents get, they didn't get any help from their family. So I saw my parents really work really hard. My dad worked nights and I saw our progression from a tiny apartment and in the city to moving to the suburbs outside of New York city, like 45 minutes outside the city into a townhouse. And then my mom was like very, very, my mom was very ambitious. So she always wanted more for our family. And then by the time I made it into high school, we were living in a really nice, you know, bigger residential house and out of that townhouse. So I saw my parents growing up demonstrating a lot of grit, perseverance, you know, really, really working hard to create a bigger life for their kids more than what they had growing up.
0: So would you say that the pressure to perform has positively impacted your life or the opposite? I think
1: that the pressure to perform has positively impacted my life. My parents were really, really big on work ethic. Mm -hmm. And um, regardless of, you know, me being on the National Honor Society in high school or, you know, I got to go to college on three scholarships, two athletic and one academic, regardless of those you know, me saving my parents money for college education. My parents were still hard on us and still demanded, you know, more. Um, And I think it was just because they were just showing us that, you know, you have to work really hard for what you want. And um, my life has been a labor of love of working hard. And to be honest, if I didn't have those, if they didn't push me, I don't think that I would have attained most of the things that, that I've achieved in my life already.
0: Amazing. And so if there's any young adult listening and she feels there's too much pressure on them to perform and be the best, what would be your advice for them? I think that
1: the generation of my parents like pushing me to really work hard is the way that I would describe it is just try to be the best version of yourself possible and whatever that is. So it's not about perfection. It's more about being the best version and most capable you. So you live your life with no regrets. So I think that work ethic is really strong. And I think that, you know, one thing that immigrants have that a lot of people that I see that I work with don't have that don't come from an immigrant family is grit perseverance. And that strong work ethic is going to get them to whatever your career goals are in your life. And I think part of it is not just, it's not about being perfect. It's just about putting everything you have into whatever it is that you're passionate about. The hardest part is just finding what it is that you're passionate about. And it might take you some time. It might take you years. Um, It took me a long time to realize that some of the things that happen in your life early on will come back full circle to kind of lead you to where you're meant to be in life.
0: Wonderful. Perseverance, good work ethics are key. Absolutely. sharing that. So could you share with us some tips on how to become a master of your circumstances?
1: I think uh, one thing is, is that I tell young people that are in their 20s is if there's several things, if you're unsure of what you want to do in life, you know, you try everything. Um, when it comes to your career, try everything. And regardless if it feels like a failure, you know, cause when I was younger, I tried everything. Um, and cause I wasn't sure. Um, but whatever you learn from one experience will carry you into the next experience. Mm. You know, um, once you hit the real world outside of college, life is not a straight road. Sometimes you're going to take, you know, five steps forwards and you might take 10 steps back to go 20 steps forward. Like it's, it's a roller coaster. And I think young people are not used to that because they've they've been trained to have this mindset of structure of, you know, you go to elementary school for four years and you go to the next grade level for four years. And that's like this straight road until after college, it doesn't become a straight road anymore. Um, so I think that's one thing. The other thing, the best advice I can give people, young people entering into corporate America, if it's your first time, one, there's just a couple of tips that I have there. One is to learn that respect is earned, not demanded. Um, you know, when I first started off, I was treated so poorly in my first job. I was so excited to finally get into a corporate world, and had worked so hard, and was like, "Great, my work is going to speak for itself." And like, then I dealt with a lot of issues with people, with managers treating me very poorly. Um, and I think it was because of you know, my cultural background. But one thing to learn is that, you know, respect is earned, not given. Meaning as much as someone pushes you to give them respect, you have to demand they respect you as well. Um, because you have to be able to set boundaries on what you allow emotionally for your own mental health in the workplace. Uh, the next thing is, I think is important to have a learn and be curious mentality. Always be hungry to learn and grow. Be coachable because employers will always want you if they know that you're eager to learn and you learn fast and you're passionate to just grow and learn new things. Um, The third thing is, is, you know, find a mentor. Different types of mentor will have different types of purposes. So you might have a mentor for, you know, you're in a role and you want to be the best at that. So then find somebody who is the best at that so that you can emulate their successes. You don't need to reinvent the wheel because there's somebody probably already successful in something you're looking to achieve and can give you those tips and guidance. Um, So I think that's really important uh, is to have good mentorship. And then last, I think is is important to set the boundaries for what you're willing to deal with. You might deal with people who don't treat you with dignity and respect, uh, but you need to advocate for yourself and you always need to own your own career you're the one in the driver's seat, don't allow someone to take that out of your hands in the workplace. If something's not working and a manager's not being supportive of whatever your career goals are, don't be sucked into the fact that they might have that control. Take back that control and go find it somewhere else. It's just a barrier to your success and you just need to realize that.
0: Whatever you learn from an experience, you will take it on to the next experience. That is brilliant. Thank you. Absolutely. Crystal, what has been one challenge that you went through as an individual and what are the steps that you took to get out of that challenge, if you could share?
1: Absolutely. So I think that I'll just share. I've been through a lot of challenges, but um, throughout my (laughs) 10 plus years in corporate America, but I will say the most recent. Uh, So about a year ago, two years ago, when I I have over ten years of sales experience, um, but then some. I had a health situation that I didn't think was that serious, that really opened my eyes and woke me up, um, and made me realize that what I was doing for a living wasn't my passion. And so that's how I got into DEI. As soon as I knew that that's what I wanted, and I did my own research, and I figured out how am I going to transfer my career from you know ten years of sales experience to doing something I'd never done before. Um, I just started doing it. Like there's ways to just start start being getting involved. So I became the DE&I chair for outside of my company at the local school district since they didn't they never had somebody in that role before. Uh, and I started really like talking the talk um, of what where I was looking to go. but most importantly I informed my manager right away and told him that this is what I wanted and that I would stay doing sales until the last day I'm in seat but I'm gonna be looking for a role within DNI within Amazon. When I did have an interview for Amazon, uh, he, my manager had asked me to speak to our director about this passion that I had uh, for career advice. And when I did, he was not very supportive. Um, it was the first time in my life that I learned from all the mistakes I had made in the past that you know it's okay for your manager or your director or anyone who you report to to not support or agree with your decision, but you need to own your own career. And so that was a moment where I had the courage, which I never had before growing up, In the past, I would have just, the manager would have told me or tried to discourage me from a decision. I would have like questioned my own abilities, but I didn't this time. And so he wasn't very supportive, Uh, but instead of me questioning my own abilities, I actually used that as fuel to my fire uh, to motivate me to get a role even more. And so um, it wasn't an ideal situation. You, You always want your managers or leadership team to support your decisions, but they're not always going to do it, but that shouldn't stop you from going after what you really want and what you know in your heart is where you need to be. So I just use that fuel to my fire. And um, you know, I had interviewed for three different roles during the year. Like the first one I didn't get. The second one I was gonna get. Um, but they wanted me to move and I didn't want to move from Austin. And then the last one, I really left everything out on the table and like did everything to prepare for this interview. Um, and going into it, you know, I didn't get the best comments from my skip level leadership director on his support for it. but I, I really wanted to like push to show him that I, that I'm gonna do this, you know. And so I think that throughout life you will have people who will challenge what your you know thoughts are or ideas or maybe they don't believe in your abilities to do that role but mm-hmm. you can't allow that to stop you from achieving where you're looking to go
0: Very interesting and insightful. And I would love to know. So after pursuing a career in sales, and you just mentioned that you had done that for 10 years, how were you able to know that this is it? I am done with it. And I want to move on to my passion and what drives you? Because I think that many people go through that stage. I agree. Everyone
1: goes through that stage in their life at different times. Mm -hmm. It took me about 15 years. So let me, let me give you the Zoom out approach of my life. So the first three jobs I had before I came to Amazon, I was crying, coming home crying every day to my husband, like, why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. I've been called the N-word in the workplace, which was extremely dramatizing for me. And I went to a lot of therapy, did a lot of therapy to... Be able to get over that experience, and it still bothers me even now talking about it. But these things were happening for a reason. I didn't mm-hmm. think that at the moment. I just was like, "Why is this happening to me?" And like, "Why? Is, why does this keep happening to me?" Like, why do I keep getting in these situations where, like, you know, people are treating, discriminating against me, right? And I, and I, the reason why I kind of got into sales was because I figured, okay, if I I'm just going to be graded upon my performance, then that's going to like reduce the amount of biases that I deal with in the workplace. But it didn't, like, because it was a male dominated role that I worked in, Mm because I worked in IT sales. So I realized that like that didn't even matter. But come full circle, I'm at Amazon and the George Floyd situation occurs. Granted, in the past, when those situations happen, I was always scared to advocate for myself because at that time, I didn't truly believe that people would believe that you were in a racial discrimination kind of situation and i didn't want to lose my job Mm -hmm. and so i never felt comfortable to share those experiences in the workplace and that just really like you know that really just didn't help my mental health actually made it worse i feel like but then years later the george floyd situation happens and now everybody in the world is seeing a situation where it was quite obvious that this person was discriminated against and intentionally killed Mm -hmm. um And I think that just woke people up. And when I saw people at my job get woken up by that experience, at first I was like, oh, this is great. Like people are now going to believe that racism does exist, Mm -hmm. you know? And then when I saw that my leadership team was like sharing about it and like trying to create spaces for Black employees to share what they're feeling through this process, I kind of relied upon them and said, okay, well, now what are you going to do about it to make it better? And then when they started not doing anything about it, it really just like hit an internal chord for me because I know what it's like to be discriminated against in the workplace and that feeling that I don't want anyone to ever feel. And if our leadership team had the power to like make impact and change, I wanted to see it. But what I really saw was performative allyship. So I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to go against this. And I'm going to start uh, like this whole thing. I started with like allies for action, like allies that really want to make an impact in the workplace and want change to happen Mm -hmm. and are willing to get uncomfortable and do the hard work to do it. And that's kind of how I fell into it. It started off with that. And then it was something that the more I got into, the more I became more passionate about it. And I wouldn't let it go because now I felt like a moral obligation Mm -hmm. to represent the Black people in my workplace because I understand what it feels like from life experience. And so that's been the driving force of how I ended up in this situation. That's why I say that sometimes you might make wrong decisions or you say, oh, I should have never tried that job, but now I'm going to try something else. You are going to take away something from every experience that will eventually lead you to where you're meant to be. You just might not know what that is yet, but there is going to be at some point in your life, you're going to have this reveal if you pay attention to those hints is what I like to say.
0: Wow. In the end, everything will come into full circle. And would you say that, uh, so your experiences and the journey has propelled you to pursue entrepreneurship?
1: Uh, yes, that too. Um, There isn't as many Black-owned businesses. And so right now I'm just starting to, I'm just starting to explore what additional value I can offer mm-hmm. Um, and what those opportunities look like. And kind of the driving force with that is the fact that we're seeing a record high of Black females owning their own businesses Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more funding and support for black owned businesses um it's just a very good time to be someone who is of color and to try to pursue an entrepreneurship if you can because there's so much funding for people like that like out there um there's more funding available there's more opportunities than there were 10 years ago
0: wonderful good to know because in this community i believe that immigrants are entrepreneurial and you confirming that there are opportunities for women entrepreneurs, then we have to go get it. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. And there's a growth. I keep reading about that. There's a growing in that because, you know, for my family coming from immigrants, from an immigrant family, like my family didn't have anything. Like I don't come from wealth. So every single thing that I have to, anything I'm going to grow in my life is going to be solely based on me going and learning and, you know, using my learn and be curious mentality to go learn about it and to educate myself a hundred percent with no support. But that doesn't mean it's not doable.
0: It is doable. So share with us how you are making an impact in your community, the things that are keeping you busy. I know you have already talked a bit about it, but we want to know more.
1: So I actually um, was involved in the PTA and my son in his school district two years ago, they started having this influx of diversity come to their school, they have kids from over 30 different countries. Wow. And so I became the DNI chair for the PTA. And really, that is just ensuring that students feel like they can be their most authentic self in school and like share about their cultural background. So some of the things that I've done at the school has been, you know, putting up flags in the cafeteria for the kids of their country so that they can talk about it during lunch with their peers. um, Doing cultural holiday acknowledgements, we're partnering with the librarian and the art teacher to do projects, as well as like have books displayed that celebrate that cultural month. So for example, for Hispanic Heritage Month, we would have decorations and we would have books talking about um, the various cultures that comprise of Hispanics and Latinos. And uh, we would do that also for Diwali, we would partner with parents that would want to come in and share about their cultural background. For Diwali, we had an Indian family come and share with, this, with with teachers that are unfamiliar with that cultural background and would share food and about you know how they celebrate Diwali, what it means to them. Um, and we would do this all throughout the year, every month for the various acknowledgements, like Black History Month. Um, in April, which is considered like diversity month, uh, we would do an international school fair where every kid can have a little table booth about their country. Mm -hmm. And then at nighttime we have performances from the various countries um, to kind of celebrate their cultural background, but also educate their peers, teachers, students about it. And then lastly, we would do a kids first program, which a kids first program is appropriate based on the age. So every single grade level, a kid's learning about a different disability that a student might have and what is it like for them? Like getting almost a day in the life of what it's like. So at a younger age, Students like kinder first are focused more on like hearing impairment or, you know, sight impairment uh, students and like seeing what that looks like and doing these activities during gym. And then as they get older, we talk about autism, being autistic um, and what that means and dyslexic as well. So it's an opportunity for every kid at their age group of where they can really conceptualize and understand that disability to see what it's like for a student next to them that has that disability for a day so that they can have a different perspective.
0: Well done, Crystal. And it's very inspirational, the impact that you're making in the community. I believe that this is just one of them that you have talked about, but it gets our attention as, as immigrants, as people that there's so much that we can add onto our communities and onto the world. So well done. Thank you. And as we are wrapping up, I have a question for you. So if you knew you could not fail, what would you do, Crystal?
1: If I knew I could not fail,
0: I probably would want to be
1: a real estate developer. Um, It's the most white male focused industry. And there's really not many minorities that are uh, real estate developers because there's a lot of money you need to become a developer. And so that's where I would want to uh, explore.
0: Thank you for sharing. And if there's anyone out there listening and you want to connect with Crystal, please reach out to her because it is possible when we come together to embark on projects that are dear to our hearts. But Crystal, I would also say that it is possible to pursue it. So you would not fail. Go ahead and start somewhere.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. So finally, please complete the sentence. Immigrants are?
1: Oh my God. Immigrants are relentless impeccable amazing work ethic and have tons of grit
0: that is so sweet thank you so much crystal for coming for showing up and giving us your all